Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Theology Podcast, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various aspects of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane, sans Rick Bromlick. So he'll be on the episode, but I'm doing the intro solo. And today we are continuing our study in Joel. Last week we did a overview of the themes we're going to see in this book. Today we get into verses 1 through 12. We also look at a little bit of the privilege of passing on God's word to others, the impact of these locusts. There's some massive locusts that we read about and massive swarms. And then we also see God's kindness in judgment on his people. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves, and we get into a little bit of that today. here what is up robert the ceiling gas prices as well got gas today yeah. not happy with the direction those what are going. was it 289 oh, yeah. and that was cheap mm. everywhere that else was 299 or 309 309 309 here in the big city in the big city of mount vernon mount vernon yep you know i'm having car problems let me tell you for a second you did say that what, what was going on with yeah. that yeah so um there's a more or less it's missing so i have a coil your car's that's missing bad <laughs> I'm having car problems. More or less, it's missing. I can't find it. <laughs> anyway, um, it's like those old like uh, prank phone calls. Yeah, exactly. Is your refrigerator running? You better go catch it. <laughs> yeah. So, and the engine, uh, one of the coils, ignition coils, is bad, so it's missing the engine, which means it's not firing as it should. Which means I got to get it fixed, mm. and it was a whole thing. Long story short, I just put a bunch of money into it. Which it needed, and now I'm gonna have to put some more money into it, which is okay. This is these are cars. I'm gonna say that Jeep's about life. probably about the end for, of its life. This is for the Avalon. The old Toyota, oh, okay. Which, the okay. Toyota has two hundred forty thousand. That thing's that running puppy, like a brute. She's still got life. She's still got forty thousand at least. At I least. Think. Yeah. Tippet yeah. cap. But anyway, that's what's up with uh, with me here in the fam. Sweet. You have a good yeah, weekend. Uh, you guys yeah. are going through Micah. Yeah, it was good. Good weekend. Fam- we had a family get together on, on Friday for a, a memorial funeral service for my grandpa. And that was unique because I'd never been at a funeral with that side of the family. Oh, wow. um, but it was a good time to see people and to catch up. and um, So that was nice. Saturday, we did a lot of work because my sister's getting ready to move home. So we did a lot of work at her house, which was good. That's exciting. And... Um, had some friends over Saturday night, some new people at the church, which was good. Chatted with them. And uh, Sunday was great. Jimmy preached Micah, chapter one, and uh, did a phenomenal job. That about Jimbo. Way to go, Jimbo. Slice. Hmm. That's it, man. Sweet. How about, how are you, how are, how are you doing? How are you doing? How you doing, Bob? <laughs> this is Rocky. Fill me in. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking a few punches to the head this week, so... <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm I'm encouraged. <laughs> yeah. I just I just preached the longest stretch I've ever done. I think it was six weeks. Yeah. Hey, there you go. And Lord willing, doing a chapel sermon um, on Thursday. So first for for, for Al Muller. Uh, no, but Al, if you're listening, and we know you are, I'm I'm open to that. <laughs> I uh, you don't even have to pay Al me. Mater. 
I would love you know, I would love to preach a chapel sermon at my alma mater. That'd be such yeah. a privilege. Um, but yeah, so that's it's at a, a local Christian school here. So looking forward to that. And so that will be seven weeks in a row that there you go. I will have preached. So Did I ever tell you a story? One, I had a, this is several years ago when I was a youth pastor at a Christian school approached me about being their chaplain. Seriously? Like, full time. They and asked you like, to? Yeah. Well, they wanted to interview me for the job. And um, I was like, <laughs> like, well, I don't even have a degree uh, in Bible and they're like, no, that's okay. And I was like, no, I don't. Even, <laughs> I haven't even finished my bachelor's degree yet. <laughs> and they're like, oh, um, well, we probably can't hire you, but finish that and maybe come back around and we'll talk. <laughs> was that's like, so funny. Like this high hopes for them, I think. And I was like, um, before you get too far along, I just gotta let you know. Yeah, right. So I've, I've thought I'm uneducated. So stop it. <laughs> um, I've oftentimes thought that. Um, being a chaplain would be yeah. a great um, like companion job to to ministry. Oh, it is. A lot of people do it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, at well, least get a... part of your salary or majority mm-hmm. of your salary from that to where it yeah. eases the burden from the church. And the church can still pay you so that you're able yeah. to provide for your family, that kind of thing. And they have a practice of um, paying the laborer. Laborer's worth his mm-hmm. wages. But yeah. they don't the the burden isn't as high, so and you're still in ministry the full time. So That's, I I know a lot of guys who really really love chaplaincy because they're not running things anymore. They're yeah. literally tending to people, hmm. and it's like yeah, you know, that probably should be most of your job in the church. But the yeah. way the church has been designed and all that stuff to be a corporation rather than yeah uh, yeah. So anyway, who anywho anywho we could totally have a long conversation um, about that. So you're gonna speak at a chaplain a chap uh, chapel service. Yeah, so you'll be yeah, Lord willing, excited for that. But yeah, so just preached the longest stretch, and I feel yeah. good, survived, good. feel excited. Yeah, we're getting ready to leave for vacation, so then I'm looking forward to that, going down to top sale. But mm. all in all, mm. uh, feel feel encouraged. So today, good. Rick, yes, because I need I'm on a time crunch, yeah, and I, I need to write questions for CG. Which is getting ready to start here. You want to do that now? You just want to do it? Uh, yeah, you know podcast? what? Let's just do that. Um, listeners, if you're listening, go ahead and turn right to, to Mark 11. <laughs> Let us know what your thoughts are so we can write these questions. But anyways, we are, hey, we're not in Mark hey, 11. Sorry, I'm turning to Mark 11 for a quick hot minute. Um, you really don't have you guys, to. I was joking. Well, I was going to help write these things for you. Are you guys going to, are you wrapping up, wrapping up March, March, Mark by the end of the year? I don't know. Probably okay. not. Maybe. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, we'll wrap it up when we wrap it up. We're going passage by passage, so whenever that ends up being, that's when it'll be. No rush, no rush, Rob. Okay. So um, we are not in Mark. No, we're not even wrapping up Mark. No, we are in Joel. Yes. And we talked about an overview of Joel last week. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the major themes that uh, we saw there, and as I try to pull this up real quick. Some of the major themes that we looked at were the day of the Lord, uh, repentance, the Lord being in the midst of his people, and the promise of the future outpouring of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we, we kind of talked through each of those four themes. And now today we are getting into Joel chapter 1, verse 1 through 12. So we're going to, mm. I can I can read that, or you can read that, either one, and then we can dive in and kind of talk about what's going on here. 
Yeah, so I will read it. Uh, we'll Take be reading away. through the ESV. Ooh. Uh, for those who don't know, that is the English Standard Version. Yep. That's published Which, by, by the Crossway. Way, I was I was thinking about this the other day, like how how like Bible translations get their names, like the Christian Standard Bible. Like, are you saying that's the standard for all Christians? Mm-hmm. I know. Well, like English is. Are you the standard for all English speakers? Yep. I don't know. Anyway, this is Joel chapter one, verses one through. Uh, 12, 12, right? 12, yeah. Yeah, 12. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down, their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the grounds mourn, the ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up and the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because they because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up, and the fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up from the children of men. Nicely done. There, there you go. Notice that you didn't start in verse one, but that's okay. We started in verse two. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethiel. Hear this, you inhabitants <laughs> of the land. <laughs> Starting from the top. Sorry, my bad, folks. That was good. I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong book. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, he's in verse two. You know, I'm gonna I've give him the crap test. Have you ever like started the sermon where you're like, okay, you're like, well, I'm not where I need to be. Not be- it was just like a simple like cross crossing of wires and you knew the text you're supposed to preach but you just i mean i still get very nervous when i preach so yeah. i get jittery and like i will start reading something and I'm like that's not it okay <laughs> just no, kidding so everybody. it hasn't happened yet but there have been times where i've started to look down like i've kind yeah. of started talking about what we're going to be getting into and i look down and i'm looking at the verses and i'm like second guessing like, yeah wait yeah. was this I, I, I meditated on a passage like all week. <laughs> Actually, wrote some things about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like I don't know because I looked at the wrong part of the page or something, and yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, that freaked me out for a second. Yeah. So, it hasn't totally happened, but there have been some scares. Yeah. Sure. But okay, let's let's start from um, let's start verse from two. verse There's one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, mm-hmm. right from the get go. We see that this whole book is the word of the Lord that came to Joel, which 
is already implying the importance of God's word being mm-hmm. passed on to others. Mm-hmm. We would not have gotten this or any book for that matter if the word of God was not passed on from the one who received it. So we have a responsibility, just real quick application right from the get-go mm-hmm. of, oh, when we see God's word, when we read God's word, as we meditate on it, it's not supposed to stop with us. It's supposed mm-hmm. to continue to go on outward into just those who are in our inner circle, those who are in our outer circle, those who are neighbors. It's not supposed to stay with us. We're supposed to take this word and take it to um, those who have not yet received it. Yes. Yeah, so there's this beginning just in verse 2 there. Like, the word has been given, and the first cry is, hear, right? Listen, pay attention to what I'm going to say. This is of first importance. And he begins with the elders. Elders give ear. And those, the older generation, those who so, would have lived. Well, I was going to say, yep. so So is this like elders in a church? No, this is, I think, just age-wise. Okay, those good, who are yeah, aged. Good, good distinction. The aged among you. Old peeps. You old people. Like, but seriously, like, you yeah. remember these mm-hmm. things, and you've heard about these things. Yep. And it was your job to, to be sharing these things with your children and instructing the children. So it just opens up with this urgent call to listen and recognize what has happened. Um and to tell your children because the judgment of God is very serious. Um, this is fun going through Joel, what we're going through as a church through Micah and just seeing some of the parallels and uh, just how like the urgency of, the, of these prophets to the people, like listen to me, listen yeah. to me. And how for us, we so often like someone comes to us, us with a problem or a, a situation and we just kind of want to be kind and we want to give a little bit of a spiritual encouragement but we don't really want to lay it on them. And, and Joel's just like, listen, hear me. Like, look what you're, look what has happened. Look at what the, the devastation, you know, those who've been living for a while, like, you know how this, how these things happen, how it has gone. Um, and be instructing and be, be taking God's word seriously. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's the thing you talk about, like passing it on to their children. And we started off by talking about how, the word is meant to go out from us as we as we receive it. We're supposed to not just let it stay with us. Two things is that mm-hmm. one, not only do we have that responsibility to yeah. share the word with others and especially to our children, but it's also just a privilege to be able to do that. I mean, what a gift! If you're going to take any message to anybody, what better gift to take the message that you receive from the Lord, the Creator yeah. of all well, things? Like that is, there's a greater privilege to take that message to others than if the president of the United States were to say, hey, I have a message mm. for you to deliver. <laughs> yeah. but, but how often do we not view it that way? We're like, I, I, I don't really want to take this message. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, a, a divine privilege that we have to be able to take the word of God to others. So, Joel, had he had confidence in the word of the Lord. Yeah, right? He believed the word of the Lord. Um, I just read an article from, I think it's Desiring God, and it's just talking about... Um, I wish I had the name of it. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Yeah. Just The Illusion of Normal Days is the title. The Illusion of Normal Days. And mm. it's just the author is talking about how through the story of Noah, how so many people just like life was just happening. It was normal, but it wasn't normal. Mm. Right? You ha- And so as believers, we just think we're in this normal day. We're doing our thing. But what Christ has called us, like we have to believe the scriptures, believe what he's called us to, believe what he's commanded us to do and and be telling that boldly to other people and to believe that there isn't just this humdrum grind of life where it's kind of 
doing life. It feels like a grind, but the reality is the Lord is coming back. Mm. And so there is no just normal, you know, day, if you will. So yeah, it's good. you see here, Joel just crying out, listen, hear me. Elders, those are old. You know what I'm talking about. Hear me. Children, tell the generations, hear me. Yeah, and then yeah. it goes into this in verse 4 about the locusts. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because you said yeah. you were going to do a little bit of research. Yeah, I'd look at some, some pictures and stuff, bro. Some Nuts. pictures of locusts? Uh, yeah, look up look up Google right now. Um, <laughs> stop what you're doing and do this right now. I don't know what else you're doing, but stop it all. And okay. I'm, I've, Google. I've got this technology. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, like swarm or uh, like locust plague. Locust. I'm going to look up locust swarm. Yeah. It's not where you want to be. I'll tell you that much right now. Ooh. Wow. It's like a, it's like a clouds. Oh, like my. These, and these aren't small. These aren't like, you know, fleas or something. I'm trying locust plague now as well. Very similar there's, pictures. There's been some recently. Oh, my. There's one in East Africa. Yeah. It's like a black cloud coming at people. That's horrific. That'd be and, terrifying. Yes. And there's, so there's like... In some of the reading, like people are talking about different kinds of locusts. Anyway, in verse four, it talks about like this kind of a rhythm. Like there's these first ones, and when they left, the, the the swarm came and they ate. And when the swarm left, the hopping locusts came and they ate. When the hopping ones left, the destroyers of locusts has eaten. Like there's just this pattern of just yeah. locusts destroying. It's like four waves of locusts: the cutting, yeah. the swarming, the hopping, and then the destroying. Save the destroyer for the last one. And so just this idea of. It's not just a plague. Like, hey, there's a wave, you know. Um, it was like, again and again, like, there will be nothing left. Yeah. Which, the, he points next to the drunkards and to those who drink mm -hmm. wine. Yeah. And he said, because of your sweet wine, for just cut off from your youth, or from your mouth, like, hey, wine, yeah. like, is not just something that you pour out a tap. Right. Like, you need Stay stuff. Yeah. yeah, and the locusts are, eat, are eating everything. And then there goes your wine. Like, yes. you sinners, you drunkards, you drinkers of wine. Not that drinking wine is sinful, but he's, he's referring to those who are overindulging it. Like, hey, maybe this will wake you up. Like, the, the thing that you are abusing, like these locusts, they're going to take that away. And if you're not going to turn to the Lord because my prophet's calling to you, then maybe we'll take away the very thing that your, your love is in. And hopefully yes. that will. We'll call you to it. And then yep. as it continues on for a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth and its fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. So we just um, preached on Mark 11 verses 12 through 25 or 26, depending on what you want to do with verse 26 there. But <clears throat> um, it's Did when you preach on it? it. No, I didn't preach on verse 26, okay. left it out. Um, is when Jesus curses a fig tree. Mm -hmm. And one of the things to notice is that when, when Jesus is talking about this fig tree, he, he goes up to it, and it's full of leaves, and it does not have any fruit. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus, who's hungry, notices there's no fruit, and then he curses the tree. And it seems like Jesus is being pretty short. And the mm -hmm. text even says, for it was not the season for figs. So it's like, come on, Jesus. Like, it's not even the season for figs. Why are you mad that figs are not on it? The reason is because something to know about fig trees is that first, 
as I was doing research for this sermon, fig trees, the fruit shows up first and then the leaves. So if there are leaves, that's indicative Mm. that there should be fruit. Gotcha. And the fact that it was not the season for figs means that there shouldn't have been any leaves either. And so for it to be abnormally showing, hey, I've got leaves over here, which means I've got fruit over here, and for there to be no fruit, like Jesus, like it's a double whammy. Like not only is this the wrong season, but also you're lying about the fruit that you are saying that you have. Now, the reason I bring that up is because fig trees throughout the Old Testament, and this is one of the instances, fig trees are representative of the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so you see in that passage, Mark 11, verses 12 through 25, is that first Mark talks about Jesus cursing a fig tree because there wasn't fruit. And then he goes into the temple and where people were meant to meet God to be spiritually fed, there it's turned into a a den of robbers. And so Jesus um, overturns that and is frustrated there because it goes to the temple where there's supposed to be spiritual fruit and there is none. Then it goes back to the fig tree to do what commentators will say is a mark and sandwich where Mark starts with one thing, then makes the main point, then goes back to that original thing. And so what we see here, though, the reason I say that is because when in verse 7 it says, it has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. He's referring to the nation of Israel. It's not just this not just this tree that's out there. Right. And it, right. Lit- it could literally be a tree that's out there, but the reason he's pointing out that, that tree there is that something greater, greater is happening, it's that there's this nation coming. It's coming up against the people, the people of Israel, and the people of Israel have been rebellious. They've been idolatrous, and now Joel is calling them back. Yeah, no, that's a great, um, and he even talks about in, in verse 12, about this idea of the fig drying up with all the other fruit trees, like there's there's nothing left. But going into verse 8, um, it says, Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth, the bridegroom of the youth. And this was like one of the greatest um, heart, like things that would just break people's hearts is the loss of someone's, uh, their, their betrothed in youth. So here you have a bridegroom who um, is wailing uh, for, the, for the bridegroom of our youth. And there's this idea that th- these things of great value have been taken from you. The things that you cherished, the fruit, the vineyards, the the, tr- the fruit trees, um, the promise of of not just love and companionship, but but um, offspring and children. All these things have been taken from you, people. Um, it calls for the the grain offerings and the drink offerings are cut off. So the the way that they can, based on the law, the way that they can also um, bring these offerings before the Lord and um, one of the methods of atonement in the old covenant like those things have been stripped from you so you were doing these things in a way that you were not serious about you didn't mean them but you were just doing them because they were ritual and now even those things are gone so now not only has God destroyed the land the means by which you felt like or you've been acting like keeps you connected to God it's gone yeah the promise of God's blessings have been has been removed it says the fields are destroyed, the ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The yeah. wine dries up and the oil languishes. And then in verse 11, be ashamed. Like tillers, those who work the soil, those who find their livelihood in these things, you found your livelihood in your blessing because God has brought physical, literal blessing to the land where the, the vine, the fruits of the, of the soil has been plentiful. And you have not, you, you've forsaken God, right? 
And so now be ashamed because the Lord is going to take all those things away. You know, all will dry up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think about, so this is lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. Think of a bride mm-hmm. who is betrothed. Like she is um, anticipating being married and co- the consummation of the marriage. And before that can take place, like right before it can take place, the bridegroom is taken, is is destroyed. Yeah. Like, could you yeah. imagine the anticipation for marrying your wife and maybe on the mm-hmm. on your wedding day, yeah. you you marry and then before the ceremony is done or before the rehear or not the rehearsal the reception is done, for your bride to be taken away. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. man, like, and that's what that's what he's he's getting at here is is like that's how you should mourn. Like yes. that you were you were there. Like you had the intimacy. Mm-hmm. It, it was you were so close to it, and mm-hmm. it was taken from you. Um, talks about the the fields being destroyed, and talks about the priests or the grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. And then it throws in this this phrase: the priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. One thing to point out is that the priest would mm. be fed from the grain offering and from the drink offering, and those being cut off. So these locusts are causing not only, they're not only taking idols away, mm. things that were being abused, but they're also taking away the very thing that would keep them alive. Yeah. And so God is is stripping away much to mm-hmm. bring his people back to him, which yes. is, as I was talking with somebody today, that oftentimes God will take away these idols in our lives and it'll, it'll feel mm-hmm. painful for a season. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. will do that as an act of kindness so yeah. that the joy that you were finding in those idols, the the joy that is capped, you can only enjoy it so much, then it starts mm-hmm. to go, it starts to fizzle, and you start to have to find something else. The joy that you were finding in those false gods, God is taking that away. And mm-hmm. you may not have the same joy that you had for a season because those were taken away, but it's to lead you into a place of greater joy. To where your yeah. joy is no longer found in these false gods, but it's found in the living God, the one that can give you fullness of joy. Amen. Yeah. I mean, we see that in, in Hebrews 12, just the discipline of the Lord for those whom he loves. It's not pleasant. We don't like it, but he disciplines those yeah. whom he loves. And that can be a hard thing. Like, is God disciplining them because he loves them? Or is he disciplining them because they're, like, um, because they're, unrepentant and he's going to destroy them and and sometimes like we should be quick to remind one another of god's discipline that's a good thing but sometimes slow to always project onto others if god's disciplining them or if they actually are just reaping their sin and we need to pray for for wisdom for that as well and all all in verse 12 this is theme of of this dries up the vine dries up the trees of the field are dried up the gladness dries up from the children of man. And you think about, one, the locusts have come and destroyed everything, right? And then the, and everything dries up. And so even if even if in our pride we say, well, surely God's still not against us. That's just a natural phenomenon. Like then this other phenomenon happens where everything dries up. There's no – not only is, is life stripped from all the plants and everything, the soil dries up. Hmm. And then the gladness dries up from the children of man. Like when you think about suffering, one of the one of the most, I'll say, phenomenal things about looking at people who people groups who suffer, even in the midst of terrible, terrible situations, children 
still play. Hmm. They still go in the streets. They play. They they have they enjoy life. It's all they know. They're they're concerned with things, but they're still like this childlike um, joy. And even that has dried up. The hope of wow. of the next generation. The hope of we're God's people. Like surely He's gonna He's gonna carry us through. Like that dries up because the people have been unrepentant. They've um, pushed the Lord away. And here now, the Lord has brought this locust, and he's dried up the hearts of man. Yeah, it is interesting that this this judgment is coming upon not Israel's foes or their enemies, but mm-hmm. Israel itself. God's yeah. bringing this judgment upon. The Gospel Transformation Bible in its commentary here says, The difference here is that the plague comes as judgment not upon some foreign oppressor, but upon the people of God themselves. This might seem strange, but the scriptures are clear that the Lord disciplines the one he loves, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. While we should be careful not to interpret every hardship or trial as discipline from the Lord, which is the mistake of the Pharisees, which we see in John 9, we should not forget that God may chastise us as he knows is best for the sake of our souls. Then Mm -hmm. it Later on, it says it may take significant prayer and discernment to know whether our trials are for our discipline or for our development. Yeah. I mean, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And, and here mm-hmm. we see the Lord disciplining his covenant people, Israel, and it's because he loves them, because he desires them to come back to him. And he's using this temporary judgment to bring them back. And so here we see that this is their, their discipline. But sometimes there's just the sake that you live in a fallen world. And so it may not be because of something that you're doing wrong, but it may be for your development. So to be able to have a, a paradigm of, okay, I'm, I'm suffering. Is this for, is this because of my discipline, because of unrepentant sin, some idol that I've embraced or some false thing that I've, I've decided to pursue, some sin that I'm not willing to give up? Or is this because the Lord's trying to teach me something here that I otherwise wouldn't have learned? Is this for my development as a follower of Jesus? Both discipline and de- and development are the Lord's kindness and love and grace toward yes. his people. Yeah. If he did not do those things, if he did not discipline, then he would let you go off on your own to your own destruction. Mm-hmm. If he did not develop, then you would not be able to enjoy him as richly as you otherwise would. Yeah. No, that's so true, and and just reminded me of a, a, something Jimmy said on Sunday about like the most miserable people are not those who are just indulging in sin and having at it. The most miserable people are those who are believers who are living in unrepentant sin, hmm. because the wow, Lord yeah. is pressing you. Yeah, it's not it's not uncomfortable if you're not regenerate. So that's a, that's kind of an indicator, somewhat, of where you're at with the Lord. Like if you're in sin and, there, and it, you're not feeling just the weight of that, you're not feeling miserable about it, or um, then that should give you great caution. Man, I don't even know if I'm a believer. I don't. My heart doesn't seem to care if I'm sinning. Yeah. But when you're a believer and you're you're struggling with that sin and you're you're giving into it and you're fighting to repent, or to, you're not wanting to repent, the Lord's just pressing against you that. Those are the most miserable people <laughs> yeah. by God's grace, and it's His good grace. It's um, a good point. Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of, the, like, Joel, I mean, we're going to get into the, the Joel, but you just see you see rebellion and consequences of that. And we need to be reminded that we are not 
we're not the only, like, that's not just Old Testament stuff. Yeah. I mean, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied, right? This is New Covenant, all that stuff. Yeah. And, like, the Lord the Lord took them, right? Yeah, They're dead. So true. So, that, that we need to be um, serious about dealing with our sin. So, that yeah. is Joel chapter 1, verse 1 through 12. And next time we will cover, uh, I think, the rest of chapter 1 of Joel. So, I'm excited. It's been good to, to dig in. So, yeah, not, not a book that we typically, or that the Christian typically jumps to. Normally, it's like, hey, let's go to Ephesians. Yeah. Let's go to Galatians. Yeah. Um, so, Joel is, is definitely not one that you would typically jump to. So, it's been good to, to dive in. But if you have any questions along the way, feel free to email us, info at simpletheology.org. Or if you have any questions and want to hit us up online, you can always go to simpletheology.org. And you can leave a review there. You can leave a voicemail. What would be really helpful is if you rated us. Mm. Um, apparently, that's helpful for algorithms. So whether give, give whatever rating. whatever subscription service you use for yeah. your podcast, if you could give us a rating, that would be really helpful. So thank you, guys. Appreciate awesome. you listening. And Lord willing, we'll chat about the second half of Joel next week. Peace out. Peace out.